The Atlanta Braves drop game one of their highly anticipated five-game series with the New York Mets as Kyle Wright gives up four home runs and the Braves fall just short of a late comeback despite some heroics by Ron Acuna Jr. who get who hit a home run, breaking a long streak without hitting one for him, and that was certainly great news. And he had some interesting comments after the game about his need and what could be affecting him. We'll talk about that, set you up for the rest of the weekend series against the New York Mets and how the Braves got to get back in this thing if they're going to win the division. All that on a Friday episode of Lockdown Braves, so let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out all of my work that I have going on there, including covering the Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I've been the co-editor for several years now. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We're up over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube now. Really appreciate all the support there. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today's episode, we'll be talking about Thursday night's loss to the New York Mets, Kyle Wright's performance, but Ron Acuna Jr. getting a, a home run, breaking a, a long streak there. Uh, but some interesting comments about his knee that I want to dive into a little bit and then just get into more some more of the specifics of the game and just Talk about this Mets team, man. Talk about the dynamic between them and the Braves and what's going on there and how the Braves can get back on track. So we'll talk about all of that and then again set you up for the weekend. But Thursday's game, a 6-4 loss to the Mets. Score, you know, ended up being close and the Braves had a chance in the end, but really just fell behind too much too early and were unable to overcome that. You know, at least they didn't lay down and looked like they were going to get embarrassed on Thursday night, down five to nothing, fought back in the game, got within two runs a couple of times. It's a tough road ahead now to win this series. I mentioned on Thursday's podcast, I thought this was as much as a must-win series as you can have early in August. You can't really afford to fall too much further behind the New York Mets with the schedules that both teams have coming up. It's much easier the rest of the way for the Mets than it is for the Braves. You have to take advantage of these head-to-head matchups. And Thursday night, I felt like it was a good opportunity to do that with Kyle Wright against Carlos Carrasco. And the Braves just were unable to get it done. Kyle Wright in particular, six innings, seven hits, two walks, six earned runs, four strikeouts, four home runs given up. And that was the big difference there. The Mets not really known as the home run type of team that came away with four home runs and that really was the big difference in this game you want to look on the positive side for Kyle Wright he at least made it six innings no Braves starter did that the last time these two teams faced off so 
uh, you know, all joking aside, was glad to see him at least stay in the game, continue to work through that, and, you know, kept the team in the game for the most part and was able to get through six innings so you don't blow up the bullpen in game one of a five-game series. For me, it was the two walks to Francisco Lindor that were brutal and ultimately doomed Kyle Wright in this start. Yes, he gave up four home runs. You can live giving up, you know, solo home runs every now and then. Four is obviously a lot of home runs to give up in a game, but it was the walks to Lindor but ahead of runs that were hit that came in. You had the walk in the first inning, which put Marte in scoring position for Pete Alonso's hit to left field that gave the Mets an early lead. And then it was a walk to Lindor in the third inning, right before Pete Alonso hit a big home run to make it a three to nothing game. So those those home runs right there, or those walks right there, ended up being really crucial for Kyle Wright in this start. And of course, you don't know how the at bat's going to go differently if he throws Francisco Lindor strikes, but you can't you can't walk those guys, especially in the middle of their order, especially in front of Pete Alonso. You know, top ten in the league and runs batted in. You just can't do that. And I think the struggles for Kyle Wright on this night were pretty evident. He just did not have his fastball command. And particularly in those at Basel Indoor, you could see him visibly frustrated with his fastball command and just not able to get it in the strike zone when he needed to. Because of that, Mets hitters were able to just sit on his off-speed stuff. And as good as his curveball is, if you can eliminate the fastball and sit on it, it becomes that much more hittable. And his curveball on the season has a 35% whiff rate, but he got just three swings and misses on 16 swings against that curveball against the Mets on Thursday night. He gave up two home runs on that curveball, and he had just one called strike on his fastball. That is just an insane stat to me. One called strike on a fastball all night. That, to me, just tells you that, one, he did not have fastball command, and because of that, Mets hitters were just eliminating it and looking for that curveball, and they were hitting it and hitting it hard. Um, now, I mean, he still was able to be effective with it. That's how good it is. Even if you're sitting on it, he's still able to get outs with it. Had 13 called strikes on his curveball, which, again, tells you he did not feel confident at all getting ahead with that fastball as you would typically like to see him do and then putting hitters away with that curveball he was having to go to the off-speed stuff early in counts just to throw strikes just to get ahead and that's ultimately what doomed Kyle Wright on Thursday night you know Kyle Wright I talked about it before got off to a really hot start in April and he's been the numbers you know indicate he's been very good over the last month or so I think at this point he's the Braves fourth best starter. I think Strider has passed him in the rotation. I think what Charlie Morton's done over the last couple of months, as we talked about yesterday, I think he's back up there in that that top front of the line rotation. For me, if, if the postseason started today, I'd go Freed, Morton, and Strider as my top three starters in a postseason series. Right to me is kind of slipped to that, that four starter. He can pitch like a, a three, and at times we've even seen him pitch like a two. But I think overall, when you look at where he is now, he's the fourth best starter on this team. And that's no disrespect to Kyle Wright. Look, coming into the season, we didn't know what we were going to get from him. We didn't know if he could stick in a major league rotation. I think he's proven more than that, that he can certainly do so. But I still don't think he's that top of the rotation arm that 
maybe we saw earlier in the year. I think he settled in more to a a third, fourth type starter, which is perfectly fine. I'm not trying to to discredit Kyle Wright in the slightest. He's been very good for the Braves this year and has set himself up to be a part of this rotation for years to come. But for me, when I'm just looking at the pecking order of this rotation, for me, he's the fourth best starter going for the Braves right now. Other thing I wanted to talk about from Thursday's game was Ronald Acuna Jr. And he got a home run, his first home run, his last 86 plate appearances. That's huge. I mean, that is really big for Ronald. You could see it as he rounded the bases. It's just like a weight lifted off his shoulder. Um, you know, the the celebration with him in the dugout, the kind of mock curtain call celebration, that's great to see. And we obviously are waiting for Ronald Acuna Jr. to break out. And that was a big home run and a big moment. It got the Braves within two runs. Uh, it made a 5-1 game, a 5-3 game, and you felt like the Braves had a chance at that point. So, I mean, it came in a, a clutch situation, a clutch moment for the Braves. And he, the ball he hit in the first inning, too, hit 102 miles per hour, a, a, deg- a launch degree angle of 26 degrees, which is you know about what you want. It had an expected batting average over 300. That ball was struck well. So two balls that he put in play on Thursday night, positive signs there. He was able to get some lift on both of those, one of them going out to dead center in City Field. So those are some encouraging signs from Ronald Acuna Jr., after the game, he made an interesting comment. And look, I've heard Ronald have no excuses at all in his rehab, and he has every right to make an excuse coming off a major injury. But you heard him after the game on Thursday, and I'm going to read this uh, quote verbatim from a tweet from David O'Brien of The Athletic. He said, the knee with my swings, it doesn't always feel the same. Some days I have confidence in it. Some days I don't feel like I have confidence in it, and it's not the same. But it's all part of the process, and we keep moving forward. That's really telling information from Ronald Acuna Jr. Again, we haven't really heard him talk about the knee bothering him at all or being effective and what's going on with him. And you know, there's going to be people people out there that say he's just using this as an, as an excuse. Like I've never torn an ACL. I don't know how hard it is to come back from that. But I got to imagine, and from some of you that I've heard that have had that, tell me. It's not an easy thing to do, and I think we just take for granted sometimes Ronald Acuna Jr., how young he is, how he's able to bounce back from injuries so quickly. You know, he he just doesn't have confidence in his knee, and it makes sense with the fact that he's not able to get some bend and get under some of these baseballs. So, you know, that just kind of confirms what I think we all believe and have kind of known. He's still trying to feel his way back from this ACL injury, and he's not all the way there. He doesn't have full confidence in that knee right right now. You know, I think he's getting there. And obviously Thursday night are, sh- are signs of progression to where you hope he is going. Um, but I, I actually appreciated that comment from Ronald and that he was open and honest with us because, um, you know, it's it's clear, you know, he he's not the same player right now. And I think there are just some physical limitations from coming back from a major knee injury that are preventing him from being that player every day. But like he said, part of the process, keep moving forward. And that's what he's going to keep doing. And he's going to keep working on it until he has that confidence in his knee, until he gets back to the hitter we all know that he can be. All right, next, I want to dive a little bit more into the game from Thursday night. There were some other positives. There were obviously some negatives as well. I want to talk about and then just briefly talk about this Mets-Braves rivalry that is heating up. 
Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with a modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft our perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile jewelry experts are on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and going on now as the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. I thought the other positive on the night came from Michael Harris, who had a couple of hits, a couple of big RBI hits in this game to help the Braves try to crawl their way back. Also had a stolen base in this game as well. Still putting the ball on the ground too much, and particularly to the to the right side, pulling the ball too much. I would like to see him get back to that opposite field approach that he had when he came up when he was so hot and what we saw from him really in the minor leagues. He has tended to become more pull-happy over the last month or so. I really want to see him getting back to driving the ball the other way, but still hitting the ball hard and able to find a couple of holes on Thursday night to drive in some runs, so great to see that from Michael Harris. Now some of the bad from Thursday. Swanson, Olsen, and Riley go hitless. It combined 0 for 11 with five strikeouts. Riley walked um, the only time one of those three reached. Everybody else in the lineup had a hit, Hard to win games when your top three hitters in the middle of the order don't do anything at the plate. Um, So the Braves just weren't able to overcome that. The offense in general, two for eight with runners in scoring position. Again, had some chances in this game and came through with some big hits. Look, Michael Harris, like I said, a couple of big two-out RBI hits. Acuna with his two-run homer. So they had some hits in this game. Really just fell on the pitching staff. Fell behind too far too early. And then to end the game... Look, Edwin Diaz, you know, coming in for the two-inning save, really breezed through the eighth inning, but the Braves had him on the ropes a little bit in the ninth. Rosario with a leadoff single. And then Orlando R.C. up there, a 3-0 count, a check swing ground out to end the game. That is just a brutal way to end the game. And look, I saw some comments, Caleb, you know, on Twitter, a faithful listener talking about, you know, the fact that he was just trying to get out of the way of the pitch and the bat kind of went into the path, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. I tend to think he was he was getting ready to swing at that pitch, which begs the question, why are you getting ready to swing at a 3-0 pitch to Edwin Diaz? To me, he should have been just standing still in the box. If anything, maybe backing out of the box as the pitch comes in. There's no way you even think about attempting a swing there on a 3-0 pitch against Edwin Diaz when you got him on the ropes. I think RC is taking way too much heat on Twitter right now. I see people saying he doesn't belong in the lineup at all. He's not a major league baseball player. Let's pump the brakes a little bit and not forget this guy was really big for the Braves early in the year and spot starts coming off the bench. Obviously, when he kind of took over for Ozzy Albies, you know, playing every day, those numbers are going to go down a bit and he cooled off. But the guy had homered in his last two games. He's been playing gold glove defense at second base. Let's let's take it a little easy on Orlando Arcia right now. But that was just 
in my opinion, kind of a boneheaded mistake right there. You you can't even be anywhere close to putting your bat on the ball in that situation. And I, I, I felt comfortable with Orlando Arcia coming up in that spot. This is a guy who can feast off fastballs at whatever speed you're throwing them. And we've seen him do that all year with the home runs that he has. But in 3-0 count right there, Diaz was clearly kind of struggling with command, losing it again, his second inning pitch count, getting up to 30. That just can't happen. And that's just a terrible way to end the game. On the Mets side of things, deadline acquisitions are killing the Braves right now. You had David Robertson from the Phillies shut down the game on Wednesday. And in this game, you have Tyler Naquin go deep twice. Daniel Vogelbach went deep. So deadline acquisitions right now are just murdering the Braves at the moment. And even Robbie Grossman, the guy the Braves got, he doubled in his first at bat. So uh, deadline acquisitions for all teams kind of coming through right now for their respective teams. Edwin Diaz, I just mentioned, the guy is just unreal. He is so hard to hit right now. And, you know, he comes in in the eighth inning. I think Buck Showalter, just knowing the importance of, you know, quote-unquote stealing this game. I know they were up big. It wasn't necessarily a game they felt like they were stealing. But this was the game going into it. You felt like the Braves maybe had a good chance to win. And, you know, if the Mets win this game, they have Scherzer and DeGrom, you know, waiting in the wings over the weekend. So you feel like whoever won this game had a really good chance to win the series. Obviously, anytime you win the first game of a series, that's the case, but especially so here. So he brings out Edwin Diaz in the eighth inning to shut things down, and he mowed down the two, three, and four hitters for the Braves in that eighth inning, just breezed through it on 11 pitches. Well, like I said, they made him work in that ninth inning, which is great to see. He got his pitch count up to almost 30. You'd have to imagine he is down for Friday night's game, which is a win in and of itself because he is just absolutely filthy on the mound right there. I, I have this just feeling that the Braves are playing scared of the Mets for whatever reason, and you're the defending World Series champions. At what point are the Braves going to act like it? Because right now the Mets have all the momentum, they have all the swag, all the confidence over in their dugout. At what point is that going to shift to the Braves dugout where they are the defending World Series champions, where they've won this division four years in a row? At some point, if they're going to win this division, they got to punch back. And so far, we just haven't seen that from this Braves team. And that is highly frustrating. And look, there's something different about this Mets team. And I've been saying that all year. I said it in the offseason. I know I probably have a lot of Mets people listening to this or they're going to bash me in the comments for whatever reason because you're not listening to what I'm saying. I've been very blunt all year. The Mets are different. They're a good team. I love their offseason moves. I love their deadline acquisitions, just getting good depth like Naquin, like Vogelbach. Um, I've been very complimentary of the Mets. This team is different, but I still think the Braves are just as good, if not better, when they play their game right now, they're just playing such scared baseball against the Mets and the starting pitching in particular. If you're going to beat the Mets, you have to outpitch them because they look, their offense is deep top to bottom and they're going to give up some runs, but their pitching staff is really good. And the Braves pitching staff is really good. If you're going to beat them, you have to outpitch them. And the Braves just have not done that. In that last series in particular, their starters you know, couldn't get into the sixth inning. And then on Thursday night, Kyle Wright gives up six runs. I mean, you can't beat the Mets like that. You have to hold them 
two, four runs or less, really three runs or less, if you're going to beat this team. And the Braves pitching just hasn't gotten it done against them so far. And that is just, it's frustrating to see as a Braves fan. I was watching the captain, the documentary on Derek Jeter, and it's the, I believe it's the third or fourth episode. They're talking about the 2003 playoffs and, the, and then the 2004 playoffs. And that 2003 postseason, the Red Sox and Yankees are playing. And, you know, the Red Sox are, are up in that series. And then they go to the game seven. And Derek Jeter saying, we knew they were going to lose it. They were, the Boston, they were the Boston Red Sox. They always find a way to blow it. And I feel like that's the sense that we've had with the New York Mets for so long you just know they're going to blow it. They're going to choke at some point because that's what they've done for the last 20, 30 years. That's not the case with this team. And you think of that 2004 season after the Red Sox did choke, they did blow it in 2003. And in 2004, they come back and win the World Series. I get that sense. That's the feeling with this Mets team. We're still in that mindset that, oh, they're the Mets. They're going to blow it. No, they're different. This is a good Mets team. They are not going to fade away. They have all the confidence in the world. They believe they can win. They don't think they're going to blow it as teams in the past have. This is a different Mets team. It's a different mindset. And again, if the Braves don't start playing like the bully, if they don't start punching back here, the Mets are going to run away with this division and it you know, may affect the next couple of years. So hopefully we see some life from the Braves over the weekend and we'll get into that next talking about some of the pitching matchups. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered at BetOnline. Head there today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening. BetOnline, where the game starts. As I mentioned, the Atlanta Braves better start making some noise against the New York Mets or this division is going to slip away from them in 2022. And it's a tough matchup. On Friday night, you have Ian Anderson, who looked, he was great his last time out, but as we know, he has been very um, bad, I guess is the best way to put it, for a lot of this season so far. And he has to be great again. I mean, the Braves need him in this start. I just talked about it. If you're going to beat the New York Mets, you have to outpitch them. And the Braves have not done that to this point. And they give it to Ian Anderson after dropping game one and really need a great start out of him. There's a lot of pressure on him in this start. Like I said, if you're going to win this series, you have to win, obviously, three of these games. And you know you have Scherzer lurking on Saturday in one of those games. And you have DeGrom on Sunday. So this is a very important game for the Atlanta Braves if they are going to come back and win this series and pick up a game in this series. So that's a lot of pressure on Ian, but hopefully he he strives under that pressure. We've seen what he's done in the postseason and the most pressure-packed games that you can pitch in. For me, if Ian can get through five innings, two runs or less, I would obviously love for it to be a little bit less than that. But if Ian can give me five innings of two earned or less, I feel good about the Braves' chances. The bullpen is rested. You can go McHugh and Lee to get through the sixth inning, and then you got Iglesias. Minter and Jansen to close things out. So hopefully Ian can give me at least five. Obviously, I would take more than that, and I would take fewer runs than that. But 
for me, the bare minimum, I need Ian to give me five strong innings. With the way the Mets hitters take pitches and the way that Ian you know, just loses command of his pitches at times, I kind of have a hard feeling or a hard um, hard to see him going more than five innings in this game. So that's why I'm kind of setting the bar a little bit low. Just give me five solid innings, and hopefully the Braves have a lead. You turn it over to their bullpen. But Taiwan Walker, he has been really good all year line, all year long in ERA under three. He's given up three earned in three of his five starts in July. Um, so again, an opportunity to get to him. That's why I talk about that that three run number. That's a big key number in this series. You keep the Mets under that number. Most times you keep a team under that number, you have a good chance to win. But you look at Taiwan Walker again. He's given up three earned in three of his last five starts. If the Braves can get to him for that. I think they have a good chance if Ian gives you a solid start. Taiwan Walker has gone six innings in nine of his last ten starts. Went five and two thirds in his last timeout, which broke up a stretch of nine in a row, going at least six innings. So he's been going deep in ball games. You know, been giving up three earned or less. Uh, so Taiwan Walker, obviously been very good. Going to be a tough matchup for the Braves on Friday. On Saturday, we know the Braves are throwing Max Fried and Jake Odorizzi. We know the Mets are throwing Scherzer in one of those games. Not sure about the other one. And then on Sunday, what a matchup. Spencer Strider versus Jacob DeGrom. That is must-see TV. For whatever reason, it's a 4-10 start on Sunday. I uh, kind of wish that was the Sunday night game. I don't know why it's a mid-afternoon game, but uh, that's what it'll be. And either way, it'll be a great Pitching matchup, since it is mid-afternoon, you could have some shadows to deal with as well, uh, but don't want to miss that one. We're going to have all of that covered on the postcast. Me and Grant McCauley could do in the postcast all weekend, so while we won't have another Lockdown Braves podcast this weekend, we will have postcast after all of these games. These are very important games, a very important series for the Braves. Off to a bad start, but have some time to pick things up over the weekend, but it's got to start now. The mindset for the Braves has to change. They have to be the bully in this series. They have to punch back against these Mets who are just flying high, have all the confidence in the world. It's time for the Braves to try to humble them a little bit and come back in this series and get some wins. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 